1958, the Communist Party of China, led by Mao Zedong, created an economic and social movement throughout the country known as the Great Leap Forward. One of the movement's first campaigns was a health and hygiene program called the Four Pests Campaign. As the name suggests, the campaign targeted four so-called pests, flies, mosquitoes, rats, and sparrows. The flies, mosquitoes, and rats were spreading diseases like malaria, typhoid, and the plague, while the sparrows were targeted because they eat grains and seeds. It was believed that by killing the sparrows, the local harvest would be protected. The citizens went to work destroying sparrows' nests, breaking eggs, and killing chicks. People were encouraged to make noise by banging pots, pans, and drums, the idea being that the sparrows would be scared into flight and would remain in the sky until succumbing to exhaustion and dying. It's estimated that one billion sparrows were killed, along with billions upon billions of the other pests. The campaign was a success. Or was it? As it turns out, sparrows don't survive solely on grains. The majority of what they eat is insects. With the sparrows gone, the insect population in China grew and grew and grew, especially the locust population, given that sparrows were their only natural predator. The locusts ate hundreds of thousands of pounds of grain. The country plunged into a famine that killed millions of people. The victims of that famine weren't the target of the four pest campaign. The proverbial bomb wasn't meant for them, and yet they were deeply harmed. The Chinese citizens had become collateral damage. Welcome to Death Becomes Her, the mini-cast where we spend five to ten minutes discussing death, dying, and grief from a variety of angles. I'm your host, Lyella Kelly. Usually, when we hear the term collateral damage, we think of military action. A bomb is dropped. Maybe the target is hit. Maybe it isn't. Everything that is destroyed or harmed that wasn't the target, whether humans, art, historical structures, the unintended destruction is all collateral damage. Have you ever been collateral damage? Emotional collateral damage. Have you taken shrapnel from an explosion that was never intended for you? A bomb has gone off in someone else's life and suddenly you're the one wounded. Likely you know the feeling. The feeling that frequently results in a what the heck just happened here kind of anger. The kind of situation that if we take at face value could ruin a relationship. Today, I am grateful to have a special guest. This is the first guest that I have had on Death Becomes Her. She's my friend Kelly, and she knows a thing or two about collateral damage. Like all of us, she's been on the receiving end, but today she's going to help us understand the perspective from the other side. She's going to help us understand what it's like to be the one dropping the bombs and wreaking havoc. Here she is. Eight years ago, on a beautiful summer day, I walked past my 10-year-old playing in the yard, harmlessly filling water balloons for friends. Eight hours later, I was sobbing a goodbye to my now-deceased daughter 
in a children's hospital she'd been life flighted to after an accident occurred. In years past, I have been the victim of other trauma survivors' collateral damage or lash outs. But now, a woman with her own trauma festering in my body, I have mostly been the assailant. Leonard Cohen so positively said of the broken, there is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. And the reality, though, of that lovely idea is those cracks are also sometimes where the shrapnel comes out. So you may wonder, how does this lashing out of emotion on the innocent start? Quietly, as a soft rumble in your gut, like the small seismic action of a seemingly dormant volcano. This can simmer for months. What is it really? Dynamite ready to ignite when even you, the keeper of the trauma, grief, or guilt, does not expect detonation. When does it ignite? As young Pueblo states, when your past is trying to impose itself on your present. How does it happen? The trigger gets pulled. You could be having an okay time with people you love, a family member, or a good friend maybe, but be careful. Your chest is tight. That's okay though, right? You always feel this way. Keep going. Have an adult beverage maybe? That sometimes softens those sharp feelings. Then there's some phrase said that normally you can handle or hold space for, but today, unbeknownst to you, your nervous system decides to take the wheel. What was it they said exactly? Something simple like, I get it. Or, it didn't happen like that. Three, two, one, all brain systems shutting off. Ignition sequence is a go. Your animal instinct gives you two menu options, fight or flight. Trust me on this one, always choose flight. But the bad news, it doesn't matter. You don't have the good sense to choose. So here it is, fight. Who are you fighting? Exactly who you should not be. This explosion of nonsensical emotion was meant for someone else. Maybe the spouse that's left, the parent that was absent, the predator that stole innocence, perhaps that loved one you grieve and left you behind to pick up the shattered pieces of your soul. Maybe even in your case, it's God. But they aren't physically here right now. So your nervous system plays an instant game of eeny meeny miny mo and the shrapnel lands on your support system. You see the shock on their face, but it does not compute. Reel it in. Can you stop lava from flowing? It is now too, too late. Usually, the next day, that breaker in your brain is flipped back on. Oh, no. A panic ensues. A shame spiral. Even intense sadness because what you know is should any stranger talk to your person the way you just did, there would be blood and you would demand it. But it's you. You're the verbal assailant. You are the atomic bomb that went off and you wish, goodness, you begged the universe, forgive me. The dust settles and one of two things happens. Understanding from the loved one or you've just lost another friend to collateral damage. Thank you, Kelly, for sharing a little bit of your grief story as well as your experiences with collateral damage. Your thoughts are greatly appreciated. Can you relate? 
Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to be supportive and helpful, making yourself available to a friend who is grieving a disease, a death, a marriage, some kind of loss, and suddenly, without warning, you're taking fire? They're upset and in pain, and strong words are flying. Our first reaction may be to fire back, to retaliate. Will that help the situation? It may make you feel better in the moment, but it's certainly not going to de-escalate the situation. Another option would be to say, I don't have to stand for this, forget you, and then just ghost your friend. Tempting. But your friend is still grieving and still needs support. We somehow need to find a way to be supportive while maintaining our own healthy boundaries. Tricky. How might we accomplish this? Here are a couple of brief suggestions that may come in handy. As mentioned before, don't engage. Don't get drawn in and further inflame the situation. Take a deep breath, gather yourself, and don't take the bait. Try empathy. Think about the strain that your friend is under. Remember times when you've been in similar situations and how you felt. How would you hope your friend would react if roles were reversed? Don't get hung up on your own feelings. Try to keep the focus off yourself and seek to understand what's really happening. Look beyond the surface. Find ways to show mildness and compassion. Maybe you do need a little break from being physically present, but could you still check in and maybe send a text message here or there? And finally, take some time for self-reflection. Is there something that you said or did that was a little insensitive or could have been presented differently? Perhaps you'll realize a trait in yourself that could be buffed and smoothed out, ultimately making you a better friend. When an emotional bomb drops on us or the people we love, we're all affected. We will all take damage in one form or another. The important thing is that we weather the assault together doing the best we can to dress and bandage each other's wounds and support each other as we limp toward better times. Thank you for listening to the Death Becomes Her minicast. Connect with me, Lyella Kelly, at www.leavingwellmt.com. Special thanks to Roman Belove for our intro and outro music. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, talking about death won't kill you, I promise.